this is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never. My best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that night. Gosh, man, that was, was a moment that changed my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm fired up for a new week, new intro. I hope you enjoyed that one. That was the first time that I actually released that. I had such a blast putting that together. I wish I could add more, but it would just take too long. My guest this week is Cord Gunnan. Cord is the owner of Atlas Weightlifting Club in Georgia. He's a competitive weightlifter. He's a coach. He transitioned from CrossFit a few years ago, so we broke that down on the episode, what it's like owning a gym, what it's like balancing coaching and competing, and everything in between. So without further ado, let's kick it over to the interview now. Yeah, I was kind of kind of looking at where to get started. I saw recently you did a CrossFit competition. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was kind of a last minute decision. So we, I was joking one day at uh, practice with a couple of my athletes. Uh, this was still when if the nationals and American open was still going to be in person or not. And, uh, we knew a gym down the road across the gym down the road was going to be hosting a CrossFit competition and they had released a couple of events. And the first event was a clean max. So that immediately caught my eye and I was like, all right, well, and I was joking with uh, my partner that did the competition with me. I was like, Hey, if the AO finals and nationals gets taken virtual, do you want to, go and do this CrossFit competition just for the, just for the heck of it. And he was like, yeah, we'll do that. I'm like, okay, fine. And, uh, sure enough, they went virtual. And then I texted my buddy. I was like, all right, we're doing this competition. And he goes, Oh, you were serious about that? I'm like, yes, I was serious about it. So we're doing it. And, uh, when I did the competition, I, before that competition, there was zero prep <laughs> that went into it. It was literally transfer from a weightlifting cycle that was peaking me for uh, the weekend uh, after that competition. Uh, so my numbers were getting pretty high into, well, maybe I should try and do a couple of kipping pull-ups and double-unders just to see if I still got it because that was the first CrossFit workouts I'd done in three, almost three years. Oh, wow. Two years. Yeah, so – and my partner that did it with me, he's one of my weightlifters. Uh, he barely started doing any kind of CrossFit workouts ever. He never really did traditional CrossFit. He just kind of did some conditioning things. Uh, and then he found snatches and cleaning jerks. And he's like, nah, this is way cooler. I'm running with that. Uh, and we did a couple of uh, conditioning workouts. And we practiced the workouts we were doing in the competition. And we uh, we were severely unconditioned compared to everybody else but it's funny the first event was actually uh you had eight minutes to do a 2000 meter row and that was one squat event and then you had two minutes to rest and then you had five minutes to do a max clean and get as heavy a weight as possible and uh we got dead last in the row and <laughs> we got first place we got first place in the clean so we went last place first place and then after that we just held on for dear life and we finished somewhere like middle of the pack. So like out of like 30 people, we were like 15th or 16th, I think. So and it, we even ended up beating a couple of people that were 
that like live and die by CrossFit. That's all they do. And we're just like, yes. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I w- when I saw your clean, I was like, there is no way anybody at this competition cleaned more than you. No, it was funny. Uh, it, it was funny doing that, that clean and afterwards because a lot of the people that were at that competition, like the, the gym is pretty local to where I, are, I live and where I've done CrossFit before and where I used to coach. So a lot of the people that were there, uh, they knew me and they knew what kind of numbers that I could clean and snatch now compared to what I used to do in my CrossFit days. And uh, a lot of the other people that came from out of town to this competition, they've only seen people clean that kind of weight like at the CrossFit games. Like the year before, I think a year or two ago, Matt Frazier cleaned 375 at the games to win an event. And that's a, that is a big clean in the CrossFit world. That's huge. But in weightlifting, it's like, I knew like 30 guys that can clean way more than me. <laughs> and after that event, people were like walking up to me, like they were like this close from asking for a picture with me. I'm like, this is weird. Like I'm nobody compared to these people that I know. Like you should see my coach clean. He can clean way more than this, you know? So it was kind of funny. Yeah, that's funny. I did uh like right when I got into weightlifting, like two months after I did the same thing where I just hopped in a CrossFit competition because I already told my friends I would do it. And I think the max clean was 300 pounds and the max snatch was like 200 and no one touched that. And then like now looking back, all the people who were in my weight class would smash those numbers and I'm competing in one of the lowest weight classes in the U.S. So it's just funny kind of looking back and seeing you know the difference, but if you have to do pull-ups or muscle-ups or something, handstand push-ups, like, we're screwed. We can't do any of that. Yeah, yeah. Now, it, the biggest difference of what I was able to do at the CrossFit competition versus, like, in my day-to-day stuff, like, obviously, the weightlifting event was going to be, you know, right in my wheelhouse, but there were other workouts that had snatches involved in it. Like, there was a the last workout had snatches at 135 pounds, which was, like, 62 kilos, and... I was able to move it fine, but it was just making myself pick the bar back up after doing a set of five and having my partner do a set of five. And then like, we had to keep going cause we ended up, you know, we had to split all the work. So he's doing five, I'm doing five. And then like the fourth set of five, I'm like, I don't want to touch this bar anymore. Can we do something different? Like I'm supposed to be sitting down right now, not continuing to do this, you know? <laughs> so it was just like making myself get back and doing those things. The skills were all there too which the pull-ups and the double-unders, like that all came back pretty quick and I was able to do a good bit of bar muscle-ups at the end of a workout. Oh, but man, it was just making myself like, just do it. Because <laughs> after doing a, a shitload of wall balls and then doing pull-ups and chest bars and then muscle-ups, I'm just like, I don't want to see a wall ball ever again, man. I'm, I'm totally okay with that. How sore were you the next day? Oh, I don't think I started back working out until like the next week. I didn't do anything for a whole week. I just like... <laughs> I just a foam roller and a massage gun became my best friend. I'm just like, I've got to get situated before I touch a barbell again. (laughs) That's funny. It was rough. Well, let's, uh, let's take it back to the beginning. So you've been in the CrossFit slash weightlifting world for a while now. So what got you actually started coaching and kind of doing CrossFit? Uh, so when I went to, so let me just, I always start at the beginning of the story. Uh, I played football ever since I was six, all through high school. And when I was in high school, I enjoyed working out, but only when it was like summer workouts and, you know, right before football season. And it was, it was fun working out team. 
and have as I never made myself get in the weight room um, on my own. So it was always like a big flip flop of me being in the weight room and then out of it because I in the off season I played golf. So it was either football or golf, and that's all I did. Um, so once high school ended, high school football ended, I played golf, and then I had uh, some people tell me that they were interested in me playing golf at their school, So, which was a small college down in South Georgia. So I ended up going to college, playing golf for a couple of years. And uh, once I got out of playing golf for the, after those two years, I, uh, I was like, all right, I don't want to just sit around and not do anything. So I went to the gym that was there at the school and just kind of blindly did stuff. And I'm like, man, I'm way too ADD to just make myself do stuff with like very minimal knowledge on like how to work out. And my roommate, he suggested that I try CrossFit. I was, I didn't know what that was at the time. This was in 2012 and CrossFit right then was getting a little bit of buzz. You know, it wasn't like extremely popular, but it was, it's not like it was today. It was, it was just getting popular. And, um, he showed me a YouTube video and I saw these people doing all these crazy tricks on rings and ropes. And then in the video, I saw them doing power cleans and I'm like, Oh, that's something I remember from high school. I, I used to love doing power cleans. So I found a CrossFit gym, got into it. And the more I got talking to the, the owner of the gym and the coach, she was like, yeah, you can, uh, you can compete in this stuff and you can do, uh, coaching courses and they'll teach you how to be a coach. And I always enjoyed helping people. And even when I was playing golf, that was something I wanted to do after the fact was be a golf instructor, like a professional golf instructor. Um, because I had a, I had an eye for it. Like I can, I can identify something that happens in real time pretty quickly and see what the fault was, you know, and that's useful as a coach for weightlifting, but also in, in instructing golf, like it, it happens fast. So if you can pick it out, like you don't need a video to go back and look. You can just be like, hey, stop doing this. Uh, but anyways, I uh, started just diving head first into CrossFit, went and got my uh, level one and started coaching. And I was like, man, this is the best job ever. You know, I get basically paid to coach people and then I get to work out for free. This is great. Yeah, that's awesome. Were you doing anything like full time after you got out of college before you started coaching? Uh, like job wise. Yeah. Uh, no, I was just coaching at CrossFit gyms. I was trying to learn as much as I could and, um, you know, really improve my physical fitness and then coach. And that was it. That's, you know, that's cool, man. That's really cool. Yeah. So you always had an eye for it. Um, the one question I want to ask about golf, like what's it like to actually be good at golf? Because most people who do it like recreationally, you know, you're throwing clubs and you're hitting the, the ball into the water. So what's it like to be serious and competitive at that? Um, it's exactly like what you just said, but you have a lot higher expectations. <laughs> so your frustration hits 100% way quicker. <laughs> and that's probably the hardest part about golf is uh, being able to perform under pressure like you know when you go and play a practice round I, and this was really my problem uh, i would go and play a practice round with my team and i would shoot you know a couple over par i, I would break 80 pretty easy and then uh competition rolls around and then you just put so much pressure on yourself that when a couple of things go wrong you spiral really quick and then it can just get really ugly because you really try not to show your ass in a, in a golf uh, comp or uh, what do they call a golf tournament? I'm 
make some uh, terminology up here um, in a golf tournament. And because uh, you'll get, you know, you can get the spot if you, you know, act too crazy or whatever. You can't like slam a barbell and yell or whatever <laughs> if you miss something. So uh, if you throw a club or you throw a, you know, a flag stick at somebody else, then they'll, they'll toss you out of there. So being able to keep your temper down here and then maintain composure, that was definitely the hardest thing. Um, but it's weird after getting into weightlifting and CrossFit and doing some competitions that actually helped my confidence and my ability to lower my expectations and just enjoy what I'm doing and ease the nerves of playing golf a little competitively, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, which was weird. I, I don't, you know, I don't know what the correlation was with it. I think it was just, uh, you know, my heart was set on weightlifting at this time. So my expectations with golf came down a lot lower. So I was able to like, you know, actually perform. Yeah. And just like thinking about weightlifting and golf, I know like they're two totally different sports, but there's a lot of parallels like weightlifting. Every shot you take in golf is kind of that technique base. And if one thing's off, it's kind of, you know, you're going into the woods or, or into the pond, but uh, weightlifting is just as much mental as it is physical. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I was joking with somebody one day. They were, we were kind of having the same conversation. Uh, I was, I, I made a joke at how, oh, I'm, I'm not nervous at all to play in this little, you know, four man scramble tournament because, you know, even if I have a couple people watching me hit this tee shot, it's still not as nerve wracking as a weightlifting meet. And then they asked me like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, think about it this way. In a weightlifting meet, you're standing on a stage by yourself with three people whose whole job is to just judge you (laughs) (laughs) all while you're wearing a skin tight singlet. Okay. So if you can get past that, then wearing golf shorts and t-shirt or a a golf shirt with a couple of drunk buddies of yours is a breeze, you know? So it's no big deal. Uh, So I think that was maybe one of the things that kind of took the shock factor out of a tee shot in front of a bunch of people, you know, away. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned like you were pretty interested in, in power cleans and stuff. What uh, was the transition like into weightlifting and when you started coaching and competing in that? Um, the transition from CrossFit into weightlifting, it was, uh, well, I, when, I, when I got introduced to weightlifting, it was because of me going to my USA Weightlifting Level 1 certification. Uh, so... You can, you know, in, in CrossFit, there was, you know, people like Mike Bergner who have a really long history in weightlifting and they came into the CrossFit world to kind of bring their knowledge into it. Um, that being able to just step outside and really get an only weightlifting influence telling you how to teach the lifts, how to perform the lifts and all that kind of stuff. Because up until then, all I'd ever heard was really uh, the Bergner warm up and a couple of California strength videos and getting some other perspective on how to approach the lifts and teach them and cue them and everything you need to know with it uh, was pretty eye-opening, you know, because it's, yeah, as a, as a coach, you know, you have to have a huge toolbox of cues and stuff that you need to be able to tell your athlete in case one way you explain something doesn't register. So the transition was just, you know, like learning anything else that's new, you got to make sure that you're open-minded about it and you can just kind of transfer, you know, what you already know, learn some new stuff and then try and figure out where you need to apply that 
down the road. Yeah, I like that. That was a big transition. And then, so were you competing in weightlifting before you transitioned into coaching, or, or did you kind of do the level one and then you're like, I'm going to compete and coach this stuff? Uh, that happened almost at the exact same time. Um, when I got my level one course with weightlifting, uh, the people that put on the course that weekend, it was uh, CJ Stockel and uh, Stan Luttrell and uh, a coach named Chris Crowder, um, who's up in Virginia now. But uh, <clears throat> they, uh, on the lunch break, they let us lift and I was lifting and it was actually at the end of a five-week catalyst cycle that I was doing. Uh, back then you could just get them online and I had just finished that up. So I was like, Oh cool. I might as well go ahead and max out now. So I was doing my, my snatch and clean jerk maxes and getting that real time feedback from them as they would apply it in the weight room, watching any other lifter was, uh, really cool because, you know, there's a big difference in just doing the level one course where they teach you how to teach the lifts and introducing you to really the, the bare bones of uh, how to how to program or what happens at meets and stuff like that to seeing it actually be applied straight to you as you're lifting. Uh, and that was really cool. And, I, and that helped a lot because I was like, oh, man, I really love this feedback. I would love to be around this more often. And uh, the more I got to talking to those coaches, uh, after the course was over with, I went up uh, to Coach Stockel and I asked him, I said, hey, what are some competitive numbers for someone that's my, my weight class? And um, – he was like, well, why are you asking? Are you interested in competing or weightlifting? And I said, yeah, I've been thinking about it. He said, forget all the numbers or anything else. If you're interested in competing or weightlifting, show up next weekend, just come and lift with us at this gym at this time, and we'll go from there. So that's what, that's what I did. Uh, Danielle and I actually went and showed up at this team practice with all these people that have been weightlifting forever. And, uh, we loved it. I mean, you know, it was our first time being around kilo plates and, you know, having a, a team atmosphere with weightlifting. And uh, we had no idea what we were lifting. And I ended up hitting a small snatch PR. My coach, uh, coach Crowder, he was actually just saying like, yeah, just uh, put the reds and the yellows on and whatever. I had no idea what it was. So I just go over and hit it. He's like, all right, cool. What would you say your max was again? It was like 245. He's like, cool. You know, this is more than that. You know, whatever we had on the bar. And uh, that was, that was a lot of fun. So as soon as I learned about, you know, how to teach the lifts and taking that information back to my CrossFit gym that I was coaching at is when my interest for weightlifting sparked. And then we signed up for a meet a couple of weeks later, we did it. And, uh, then, you know, I guess the rest is history or whatever. <laughs> Don't you miss those days when like somebody tells you to put something on the bar and you're like, well, not really sure what this is, but I'll, like, I'll try it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally before I got back to the house to, to jump on this call with you, I just came from a session of a guy that uh, we did like a little giveaway on our social media for like a free personal training session. And one of the guys that won it is a CrossFitter down the road. And uh, he wanted to work on his snatches and cleaning jerks. And he's a, he's a brand new lifter brand new crossfitter like only done it for about five months so he had no idea what was being put on the bar because we have kilo plates and uh i love you know i love doing that i did the exact same thing that when I, it was my first session i told him i was like all right just put the big red on and the collars or whatever and 
he ended up hitting a little snatch PR. And he was like, how much was that? That felt really good. And I was like, that was 10 pounds over your PR. And he's like, whoa, this is crazy. So that reaction is always fun to see. Yeah. But you usually only get that one or two times. And then that goes away pretty quick once you know the kilo plates. Oh, yeah. I, it's, uh, you know, everybody's always so frustrated when they're a beginner and they're learning all these things. They're like, oh, I just want to get better. But as you progress and you get better, this might be that one instance where like you could look back and be like, I kind of wish I was a beginner in that sense of me not knowing what's on this barbell right now, because I'm terrified to do this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll definitely get into coaching a little bit more. I'd like to talk about your gym. Like what got you, when did you decide that you wanted to open a facility and get starting in the club around you? Uh, well, for the longest time, you know, I was coaching at different CrossFit gyms, uh, and out of these CrossFit gyms, uh, well, out of the last CrossFit gym I was at, I had a little barbell class, uh, which is kind of where I got like my, my first little group of people that I would coach in weightlifting, take them to meets and prepare them for that kind of stuff. Um, and I worked there for a long time and then it came down to a point where, um, I, I was kind of limited to how I would grow as a coach and how, you know, I was able to, you know, maintain things like, you know, paying my bills, like simple things like that. Um, so I switched jobs and I got out of the CrossFit gym for a little bit. I got out of, uh, I, I stayed with coaching weightlifting just for a couple of people. Um, and while I was at this other job, I was basically a membership salesman at like a, it's like an orange theory gym, but it had like just the simple, like LA fitness equipment around the classroom. It was really small. And, um, you know, that kind of gave me a peek behind the curtains on the management side of things, because as my position at that gym, I was kind of helping with the management of certain things. Um, so that was good experience, but I knew that I didn't want to be there forever and I didn't want to continue to sell memberships. I just don't, don't really like doing that, that side of the job. Um, but I got out of that and I had enough people uh, start asking me to coach them in weightlifting that I was like, Oh cool. I can like, I can justify leaving this job and just being a weightlifting coach. So I I went out of that job and uh, I basically started, I put some platforms in my garage and I kept all my equipment with me that I had accumulated over the couple of years. And uh, I started coaching weightlifters out of my garage every night and that kind of progressed and, we got a little bit bigger and we outgrew the garage and it was about the same time that Danielle and I had just figured out that, uh, she was invited to go to Peru with uh, team USA for the 2019 Lima grand prix. Uh, so we were talking about all these different things. We're like, Oh man, we have this competition coming up and we need to fundraise this money and we're outgrowing the gym and, or we're out outgrowing the garage. So we need to look at, potential possibilities for what we need to do there. And we got to talking about it. And as we were going from our house through town, we just so happened to pass a building that had a huge American flag painted on the side of it. And I, and I mean, by huge, I mean like the entire building is an American flag, like the side of it. It's like, it's like 50 feet tall by 60, 70 feet wide. It's, it's like exact dimensions too. It's pretty cool. But that called our eye because it was like, I think it was like the day of, us getting that news we're like oh cool we're going to get to go with like team usa people and compete at an international meet this is awesome then that flag caught our eye we're like well, why don't we look at this building it had a for rent sign on it and i called the number met with a guy and 
Danielle and I were like, can we do this? And I, I was like, yes, we can do this. Look. And you know, I kind of had to sell her on it. And uh, we ended up taking that jump almost at the same time that we were going to Peru. So a lot was happening at that time of the year. But uh, once we opened the gym up, we put a lot of work into it and it's been the probably the best thing I've ever done was making that jump to just leave that one secure job at that gym and then coaching my own weightlifters and then starting my own barbell club. And now it's a actual place. Uh, it's a place where we can have our lifters go to. We have a home base, we have a actual club and it's ever since then it's been the most rewarding thing ever. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I love hearing stories like that. What would you say is like the one thing? So after you move out of your garage, like you have a facility, What's one thing as a business owner, like you didn't expect to have to do that you're like, this kind of sucks? Oh, uh, this kind of sucks. Um, or it can be a good thing. Maybe just anything like surprising. Okay. Uh, I mean, as far as our, how our story has gone so far, uh, when we opened the gym, we had, uh, we were open for maybe about, six months, maybe five or six months. And then everything happened in the world with, you know, quarantine and having to shut down and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, as soon as we started, we made sure like we were very fortunate that we just stumbled upon this building because it, it needed a little bit of work, but we put the work into it and we made a deal with our, our landlord um, for a rate of rent that was, that was easily, doable for us and it's, it's still doable so we were almost we were pretty much breaking even the day we opened which was good we had a couple of months under our belt where we grew a little bit we were able to get a little bit of cushion and then once we had to lock down you know we were able to maintain our membership by loaning out equipment because the majority of people that were at the gym were my weightlifters um so after that the biggest thing that uh i didn't expect as a gym owner was us needing to expand and in square footage of the gym. We outgrew our space even after having to shut down for quarantine. Um, and once, you know, Georgia opened back up, everybody was like, all right, we need to get in the gym. We see the value in health and maintaining our body. So like everybody was, you know, looking for a gym to go to, um, which helped us out big time. Uh, that was one of the positive things is I didn't expect to grow that quickly you know, that soon, uh, especially with the year that we were handed. Um, I think the biggest thing about what I don't like is having to, uh, I, and it goes back to that job I used to have of selling memberships. I hate having to sell something, you know, I like pushing stuff on people that don't necessarily want it. Uh, now doing that job gave me the skill set to be able to communicate with somebody and show them the value of what I have to offer. But, uh, and that's just something I believe in with how I want to run my gym. I don't want to be the pushy salesman. That's just like, you know, ping in your phone with text messages every three days that you don't come in the gym. You know, like I, it's just, that's the part of it in advertising. Like I can do, but, uh, that's the part that I don't like, you know, yeah. is it, it, I feel like if you want to come to my gym, you will come to it and I'm going to put the information out and you can take it or you can just ignore it. So either way. Yeah. And I'm sure it was a tough year to, you know, it sounds like you're having some good problems, which like you have to expand in, in a year, but, uh, 
Yeah, it just seems like there could be a lot of challenges like with the shutdown and everything like that. I'm sure there w- there might have been some stressful times going on when March and April and you, you're kind of not really sure what's oh, yeah. about I mean, to happen. Yeah, there was it was definitely really scary. Um, you know, you didn't know exactly like once the two weeks of the initial shutdown happened, we're like, okay, we can make it for two weeks. Like, this is fine. And then, then it happened to be like another two weeks on top of that. We're like, okay, are we just going to keep, you know, having two weeks on top of two weeks or like, what's, what's the deal? Like, you know, hopefully this stuff can get better. And there's a lot of what ifs and stuff just left up in the air. And it was, uh, you know, very scary because it's like, all right, well, if this continues to happen, how long are these people that I'm training going to just, just, you know, stay with us and continue to do their workouts at home? And how are we going to adapt if this progresses any, like there's a lot of unknowns that was scary. And it's like, man, we just put all our chips in this one basket here. (laughs) And now this basket's been turned upside down. How is this going to go? You know? So we had to, you know, just really hope and pray that, it worked out and it did. Um, you know, we did everything we could and it didn't last a whole lot of time for us. I know I, this, you know, I was very fortunate to have a gym open in Georgia because, you know, Georgia was one of the states that was like ready to, you know, open back up a little bit sooner than some other ones. And, uh, you know, I have friends that have a barbell club up in New York and they've been battling this whole time with, you know, they, I'm sure you've heard all the stories about New York and their shutdowns and everything, but mm-hmm. it's, it's been really tough for a lot of people and I'm just, I'm very fortunate and very thankful to live where I live, where I live right now. Yeah, man. Is there anything like you notice? So you open a gym, I'm sure you have more responsibilities than you did before in the garage. Did you find like you got unhealthier or like your fitness suffered just because you were at the gym more? Like I've had friends who, who coach CrossFit full time and they're like, yeah, as soon as I went full time coaching, like I actually worked out way less. Right. That, uh, I have seen that too. Um, but I tried to set up my gym and my hours, um, to where it benefits both, uh, where it, you know, I'm not shooting myself in the foot for, uh, the business side of things. And I'm also, you know, not doing anything that's detrimental to my athletic performance. Um, you know, I've had a couple of people ask me to do uh, personal training, just like one person to do a, a personal training session at 5am. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm the only employee here at the gym right now. So like, I'm not going to get up at 5am and, you know, it, and it sounds bad to say, but like, that's one of the sacrifices that you have to make, you know? And if I was, if I was really hurting for those extra sessions, then I would do it. And if that was what I had to do to keep my business open, then I would do it. Um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be people listening to this as a gym owner be like, Oh, that must be so nice. <laughs> you know? But, um, you know, it, it's just, uh, uh, I'm fortunate to be able to set these hours and people that want to train with me are like, yeah, these hours work cool with us. So we'll do it. And, you know, I'm kind of balancing both. Um, now I'm sure as I get older and I kind of step away from the athletic side, then I'll be able to open things up a little bit more and kind of broaden the hours, you know, like the earliest I get to the gym is at 8am. So I do an 8am class, I coach them. And then I have uh, an hour or two to go home, eat breakfast, 
you know, play with my dogs, take care of them, and then go back to the gym and either do my training or have other athletes training there. And then in the afternoon, a lot of the majority of the people that I train come in from three 30 to about eight 30. So I'm at the gym pretty late, but I'm not getting there at 5 AM to, you know, 10 PM at night. Like I know some people have done before at gyms. Yeah. That's good though, that you have the boundaries like that. I'm sure, uh, a lot of people would definitely struggle with that, but, but you kind of have to. And like, I, I know Danielle was on the podcast and we talked about her being a competitive athlete and you're trying to be pretty competitive as well. Like in your own right, you were going to compete at nationals this year. Unfortunately it was pushed to virtual. So yeah, I'm sure it's, it's tough kind of, kind of balancing that. And like, what do I want more? Do I want to be competitive and do I need to set aside four times a week for me to train or am I going to push that to two times a week and see if I can get more members and more clients. So, so I'm sure that's tough, but you have to set those boundaries for yourself. Right. It's like a relationship, you know, you got to set boundaries with everything. Like if, you know, uh, you got to be able to communicate, you got to have boundaries set, you got to know where you stand on everything. So if, uh, if you don't have boundaries and you don't have these guidelines that you follow, then it's kind of easy just to get lost with whatever you do. Like you, that you quickly will overcommit yourself and then that's where things get tricky with if you try to continue to work out. Yeah, you almost don't want to do too much at the beginning and then have to scale back. It's better to say, I'll take on some more stuff. Like I can handle this and take on more. Right, right. It's like with anything else, you know, a lot of times less is more. Uh, that's something that I, I really believe in. It, even with <laughs> how I train my weightlifters, you know. Um, but you know, if you stretch yourself too thin, as far as offering, you know, five different types of classes and like, you're the one person that has to do it. Those classes and the quality of those classes or the programs and the stuff that you write for it, it kind of thins out a little bit and doesn't get to be as high quality as you want. You know, I have three things that I do. I train kids for sports prep. I train competitive Olympic weightlifters, and then I train people for just general fitness and overall health and sometimes a lot of those things, you know, training the kids for sports prep and training my adults for just overall health and fitness, you know, a lot, those two things can kind of line up a little bit. You have to scale things back for the kids, for the adults. You have to just make sure that, you know, they have so many stressors in life that you don't overbear them with workouts and things that might, you know, take away from their day-to-day -day life. And with the kids, it's just learning how to squat, hinge, push, pull, and lunge. And I do the same thing with my adults, you know, so you can, you can add quality to things that kind of line up with each other. If, uh, if you don't have 10 different things, you know, if I was trying to just offer, uh, one cardio class and then a strength class and then a cardio strength class, like those writing all these different things gets really, really hectic. So just do a few things and make sure it's really good. Do you have one that you like doing the best, like coaching kids or coaching at weightlifting athletes? Is there one that's your favorite? Um, no, cause they all, you get, you get satisfaction and happiness. It, I, I do at least, uh, training these different lanes. Um, I like seeing the kids have that light bulb moment and be like, oh, this is how you're supposed to do this, or, oh, this workout was fun, or I like squatting, like, I love hearing that, and then training the adults, you know, they come in, and they have fun, and I see people laugh, and I get to make people laugh, like, 
and also at the same time get a good workout in and they feel so good about themselves when they leave the class. Like those little things are gratifying. And then obviously training weightlifters, uh, you see them progress and hit the PRs and get to teach the, uh, I mean, obviously I love coaching weightlifting, you know, and, and being a part of weightlifting, but, um, I think each thing has its, uh, certain values that I find, um, what's the word I'm looking for that, that bring me, brings me happiness. So like, I can't really, I can't really say which one's my favorite. I mean, it's kind of weightlifting, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, if, if I had to pick just one, it would probably be weightlifting, but I love coaching, the the younger kids and the adults and uh my weightlifters cool yeah i didn't want to have to make you piss off any of your members but but yeah i think, no, man, I think that's a good spot end. here like <laughs> I, I might have members listening to this be like oh you don't like coming to the coach for a class <laughs> at eight in the morning okay cool no that's awesome though yeah so what um what was it like when you started coaching competitive weightlifting? So you can coach people, you know, kind of in the side on your barbell class, but when you go to American Open or finals or nationals, it's like a whole different ball game. So what was it like kind of transitioning into that where it's weightlifting for sport and not just like, let's just get a little bit better at this? Um, I would say that, you know, switching from, you know, coaching people in a CrossFit gym and then going into the competitive weightlifting scene is learning just the ins and outs of how the first, how the meets operate. You know, you, you need to learn how to count cards. You need to learn how to, you know, properly warm your athlete up in the sense of just per athlete, like just you and that person are working through their session and learning what they like to do and what helps them perform the best. Um, So learning those things was big. Uh, and then just getting if progressing from coaching at local meets and then taking people to my first like national level meets, I think it was, you know, the university level, uh, was the first one that I went to. Um, and then I went to an American open and then even being at nationals with Danielle, like those are totally different sessions going from a C session at universities and then coaching a session at the senior nationals. Like that is such a different ball game and learning how to, you know, it, it still comes down to you and that athlete that you're working with in that session or the athletes that you have multiple and just knowing and learning what they need and doing everything you can to set them up for success. You know, it's uh that's the biggest part, you know, it's just, it's way different from just queuing a couple people in a CrossFit gym and Hey, look, a sack we are too. There's this whole hustle and bustle in an a session at nationals and there's all these games being played and there's people trying to <laughs> burn these clocks and you've got to account for this and you know, this lifter is going to be taking this weight, but they haven't changed to it yet. It's like so many things you can get lost with. That's probably the, the biggest takeaway from learning how to be a, a coach at a weightlifting meet is learning just the atmosphere of your, your meet, yeah. you know, and who you're going to be with. Yeah. I feel like that definitely has to be stressful. And, uh, we got into it when I had Danielle on the podcast Whose idea was it for you to coach her? <laughs> uh, well, she had always told me uh, that, you know, even in the past, like we, I, I've been with her. I, I've been with Danielle for 10 years in a relationship with her. Uh, and we both got into weightlifting uh, kind of through the same avenue. I, I, it was actually my fault. She was introduced to it because I just drug her along with me to that one Saturday practice. 
And then the same guy, Coach Crowder, was like, oh, are you here to lift too? And she's like, no, I'm just here to watch. And he goes, no, put these shoes on. You're going to lift with us. And she's like, ah, okay, whatever. And she was doing CrossFit, so she was kind of familiar with snatch and clean and jerk. And um, so once, once she dove into it, you know, like we both dove head first and started getting into it. And I had this coach and she had this coach. And then she moved to Alabama for her school and she joined a coach down there in Alabama. So she had some different influences. Um, and then as her journey progressed, you know, like it just kind of led to all signs pointed towards this, you know, it's like, look, he's the first person to teach you how to snatch a clean and jerk. He's seen all of your past histories. He's with you literally every single day. And at one point she just got to where she was like, okay, I guess I'll let you coach me now. You know, she was kind of reluctant to hand over the steering wheel, but uh, she, you know, I had to, I feel like I had to gain her trust a little bit and it's, it's been paying off. Um, it's definitely added some challenges to our relationship, but along with anything else, you know, as long as you communicate with each other and, um, you, you can work past it and keep your head on straight, you know, then everything's cool. Has there been any, Uh, any long car rides on the way home, like arguing with each other after a meet or anything like that? No, not after a meet or anything. I, there's, there's been, um, whenever, so this is how this works for us. Um, you know, if anybody's wondering some big takeaways for coaching a significant other before a weightlifting meet, um, as long as you communicate what the goal is and what your plan is for both of you, like I say, like, all right, I'll always ask be like, all right, what's your, what's your goal for this meet? Or what are some numbers that you would like to hit? And we'll talk about that. We'll kind of plan out an option A, B, and C. And then we'll see where the numbers line up and be like, all right, cool. So this is our this is our game plan. And usually it's, you know, something that we both agree on. And if we go to the meet and if I were to do something like if I were to just stray from the path and go off off the cuff and call from sort of call for some different numbers that we didn't agree about agree about beforehand, then that's where like things will get, you know, a little, uh, a little iffy. Uh, she likes to know everything that we're doing and all the, all the plans and everything. And I let her call the shots. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say like, Oh no, it's all my plan for doing all this stuff. You know, we'll talk about a lot of things and I want her to tell me like what she's going to do or what she wants because her her biggest competition I feel like is herself because if she's got a number in her head and she wants it, she will do it. And a lot of times at a meet, like if, um, you know, this past virtual meet, you know, she was opening with 95 and she missed it on her first attempt. And then she hit it on her second and our goal was to snatch a hundred or, or a little bit more. And she looked at me and I just looked back at her and she goes, put a hundred on the bar. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. All right, let's go. So we made that five kilo jump and I knew it, as soon as like she called for it, I'm like, we're doing this. And she called it, but it was going too far back a little bit. So she called it and I don't know if you saw the video. Or yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, she was close and she put a good fight on it, but yeah. So like when she, when she does stuff like that, like I'm, I'm a green light guy. I'm like, if they want to do it, I'll let them do it. You know, I'm not afraid to put a weight on the bar for somebody and let them know exactly where they stand with it. You know, cause if someone's can, if that lifter is convinced that they're going to do it, most likely they will. Yeah. You know, as long as they don't call for something crazy, it's like, Hey, let's take a 30 kilo jump for the snatch. It's like, uh, uh-uh, no. we're not doing that. <laughs> so, um, 
it was it was really her idea. I was just kind of sitting by as far as like her telling me, hey, I want you to coach me now. Um, I was just kind of sitting by and we had a conversation about it one day. I was like, well, look, I know in the past you said you don't want me to coach you because you feel like it would be troubling for our relationship. But if I were to just stick to these simple guidelines of like, you let me know like what you need and I'll do it and we'll talk about it. We'll keep everything out in the open. There's no, you know, no guessing game with it. She's like, okay, that makes sense. And then she was like, all right, let's do this. You're my coach now. So now we're here. Do you feel like your strategy's a little bit different with uh, like other lifters who obviously aren't your wife? Like, do you have a different strategy where you're taking more of like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Or do, does that depend on lifter? Like, how do you, how do you kind of balance that? Uh, it does because there's, there's a big difference in coaching, uh, coaching Danielle. Um, not only because she's my wife, but because of the level that she's competing at now versus the majority of who I coach aside from her. Uh, I have a lot of people that are beginners to intermediate to, you know, fairly experienced weightlifters. Um, but the majority of the time, the lifters are looking at me for what they think they should do next. You know, they're, they're a little more dependent on what my thoughts and feelings are on a certain number. It's kind of the other way around with Danielle, because we both know at this point, you know, with us trying to qualify for teams and, you know, all these kind of things, we know what we have to do to get there. So that's what we're chasing, and we're going to keep our realistic goals, um, or we're going to keep our goals realistic and our numbers that we're shooting for in a you know realistic you know manner. But the other lifters that I coach, they are looking at me for that guidance. So there's a kind of a switch in the dynamic between them. Yeah, I'm sure. Are you like a? Are you more of a numbers guy? Like, hey, we just hit ninety. You're going to go ninety three, or are you? Is that also dependent kind of on the lifter? Are you kind of just calling the shots like everybody in the gym? Well, before every meet um, or before, you know, a heavy session in the gym, you know, most of the time I will talk to my lifter and I'll ask them like, hey, how's your body feeling? How have you felt about training leading up to this? Uh, And then for, let's just take a meet, for example. Uh, If we're going into a meet, I'm going to either talk to them the night before, if it's, you know, like a national meet or whatever, or I'm going to talk to them like a couple hours before their session. And we're going to sit down and we're going to be like, all right, here's a game plan. And I'm not just going to tell them what they're going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to give them a chance to tell me what they want to hit. I want to know what their goals are, because if I can help make that happen by a warm up strategy or a certain jump in the competition, then I want to be able to do that. Um, because if you're coaching somebody obviously your interests as a coach for that athlete is not all that matters. You know, it, they have to have a say in it too. Uh, I believe that, you know, as an athlete, like you don't want to just be a robot that just does sets and reps and just whatever coach says, I'm just going to do, you know, like that kind of can, you know, um, take away from their confidence. You know, if, if they call for a number and they're excited about going for a PR and they earn that chance, that's a big part of it. If they earn that chance, you know, um, and they, and I know that they can do it, I'll let them do it, you know? So you have to set up their game plan ahead of time and just talk with them and communicate. So it's just like anything else, you know, communication is a big part. Yeah. And I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but uh, I wanted to talk about 
when we had a previous call, you have an 11 a.m. team session. So what what uh, got you with that idea, like bring everyone together at this time on Saturdays? Who uh, gave you that idea and how's that kind of progressed? So, yeah, that first practice that I talked about, uh, that was, you know, with Team Georgia weightlifting. Um, and at the time they were up in uh, around Buford or whatever. But uh, that was always kind of something that I look forward to being an athlete that was kind of remote. I, I would have to drive an hour to go practice with them. Uh, it was always team practice at 11 and we showed up, we would all warm up and we'd get our session in. And, um, you know, that was a lot of fun because, you know, not everybody that was on team Georgia trained at that one gym that they were based out of, they, you know, it was people like me that came from all different places and, you know, it, we got along with our team and we loved everybody on it. So that was a lot of fun getting to gather on the weekend, have something to look forward to, you know, every week. And uh, when I opened my gym, you know, that was one of the biggest things that kind of drew people to come into practicing with us. We even did it out of the garage. You know, we, we had Saturday practice at 11 and we would have, you know, 15 cars out here in our neighborhood and we'd have a, the doors open and there's a bunch of people yelling and lifting weights and stuff. And it was, it's a lot of fun. And it, it helps to have like, you know, without having to go for a meet, everybody, you know, get together for that one meet, you know, every so often and just train wherever, whenever, uh, you can bring people in front of other people and get them together, lift with people they don't normally get to lift with. And a lot of times we do some sort of heavier session on that Saturday, just so we can get excited about it. We can, you know, ramp up the intensity and, you know, blast some music and be loud and crazy and just have fun and cut loose. And that's a, that's probably my most favorite day of the week. Um, for sure because that's a time when I get to lift with my team, you know, the rest of the week, I'm not lifting with them. I'm lifting earlier in the day and sometimes I'm by myself, but sometimes I'm not. But when I get to lift with my team and cut loose with them, that's, that's when it's fun. Ah, that's awesome. Do you have any goals coming up? Like what's I, what about you competing? Are you going to do any meets this year? AO one nationals? Uh, yeah. I, as long as, you know, they're in person, I'm, I'm going to do the AO finals and uh, the national championship. Uh, the last national championship I went to was in 2016. And since then, you know, I've been battling with either, either an injury or, you know, a pandemic or whatever you <laughs> want to say. So uh, it's been a long time since I've been on like the, the national stage, the, you know, the real one, but um, I, I'm definitely going to do that. I'm going to do a local or LWC championships in April. So I'm going to do that one. Um, but aside from uh, meat specifically, I'm just chasing numbers. I'm just trying to hit some PRs. Awesome, man. Yeah, I feel like we didn't even really touch on you as an athlete, but you're pretty competitive in, in USA weightlifting. So so I look forward to watching you, you know, when, when we get to go to these in-person meets again and all get together and throw down. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to just to getting together with a bunch of people from across the country that I've met over the years and just seeing everybody and getting to, you know, hang out and cut up with everybody. That's, that's a big, big part of those national meets. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's what I've realized, like how cool people are in the weightlifting community. I've had a bunch of weightlifters on and it's like, next time we do go to a meet, it's going to be like, there's all these people who are on the podcast and all these people who I, I saw from Cal Strength on YouTube. And I'm like, maybe I should just talk to them. And I feel like now I can actually go up to them and be like, hey, what's up? 
Yeah, right. Well, if you're a fan of weightlifting, that's the most fun part about it. If you're like Danielle and I'm pointing out at our first nationals, I'm like, hey, that's CJ Cummings over there. She's like, who is that? I'm like, <laughs> who are you? Like, are you even a weightlifter? Come on. And I'm getting so mad at her. I'm like, hey, there's Spencer Mormon over there. She's like, the long-haired guy? I don't know who that is. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Uh, that's awesome. Well, where can people uh, go if they want to join your club, if they're remote, local? Like, what's uh, what's the process like to get on Atlas Weightlifting? Uh, so we're on Instagram and Facebook, at Atlas Weightlifting Club. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. It has, like, four videos on it. You can find us at Atlas Weightlifting Club. Um, and then we have a website, too, so atlasweightliftingclub.com. Uh, and uh, I think that's all our – uh, that's all our social media. We don't have a Twitter or a TikTok or anything like that. So, okay. yeah, yeah, maybe you got to get uh, Danielle to get on that TikTok game. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't really know if TikTok's our lane. I don't, I don't know too much <laughs> about it. But, um, yeah. Well, Cord, so. thank you so much for coming on, man. This was this was a blast. I'll get your gym linked up in the show notes and hopefully uh, get some people down there in Georgia. And if not, we'll uh, see you at the next national meet, man. Absolutely. I had a good time. Once again, thanks to Cord for coming on the show. Really fun episode this week. If you guys are local to Monroe, Georgia, be sure to head to his gym, Atlas Weightlifting Club. If not, you can give him a follow on social media. That is always linked up for each guest in the show notes. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, there's a few things that you can do to support better than yesterday. Number one would be to take a screenshot of the episode Tag Cord and I. Let us know what you liked about it. We always love hearing from you guys. And then number two is just subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. If you are not subscribed, you may not hear the episode for up to a day later. So just click that subscribe button on Apple and Spotify and stay tuned for Monday and Friday episodes throughout all of 2021. If you guys have any guest recommendations too, just be sure to send them my way. I'm always looking for new guests and new people to connect with. So thank you so much for tuning in. Have an awesome Monday, and I look forward to talking to you guys on Friday.